We are going to get in the word today. Amen. I want you to tell your neighbor this. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God doesn't really care anything about your plans. God doesn't really care anything about your plans. Listen, I woke up yesterday morning, spent about three hours laying out this message I was going to teach. Spent all day kind of working on it and stuff. Stayed up last night to 2 o'clock, putting together a PowerPoint presentation. Caleb, can you just pull up the first slide of that? Anybody who knows me knows PowerPoint presentations are not my thing, right? Listen, but it's cute. What is it? Can they see the thing? Look, you're not going to get to hear it today, so I just want you to see the picture. Um, to my evidence that I, I did all this work, and then we got in service this morning, and in the first confession that Pastor Edwin made, the Lord was like, no, we're going to talk about healing today. Well, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. One of the things I know about is healing. So we're going to teach about healing today. And maybe they'll find my slide at some point in this and be to show you that I really did spend a lot of work. That I've been doing this for a long time is that any plan that God has trumps any plan that I had. And it don't matter how many hours I spent working on it. That God knows what people need. And so I believe that it is the will of God for everybody to be healed. Say it's the will of God, the will of God. For, everybody to be healed. for everybody to be healed. So I'm going to say this and then we're going to make our faith confession. So people go, well, you know, people got to die of something. Well, actually, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you should die when you're done. Not die because you're diseased. Disease is a result of, the, of sin. It's not the will of God. And so I'm going to talk about healing, but if you believe a lot of that, oh, you know, that God killed people, grandmas, because he needed them to come to Jesus, and, you know, and God make you sick, you know, like people say really supposedly deep things, and they say stuff like, you know, I was just running so hard, so God made me sick um, so I could sit down and be quiet. No, you made you sick. Because you was running so hard that, that your body quit because that's what bodies do when they don't get what they need. That wasn't the Lord. Look, yeah, look, this is, listen, y'all. I do, listen, thank you. I, I do, I need, I do need y'all to clap for me because I worked hard on this, y'all. And maybe you'll see it another week, but not this week, all right? So you can pull it down. All right, so here's what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about faith for healing. Faith for healing. Now, I want to say that when God talks about wanting people healed, he's not just talking about physical healing. He's talking about healing in whatever area that you are broken in, whether that's something emotional that happened, whether that's something mental that happened, whether that's something relational or something financial. God is a healer. Tell your neighbor, say, God is a healer. So we've been talking a lot about, we've been using these same three scriptures, so we're going to start with these three scriptures. And when you go to church, you really ought to go to a church where you ought to have to take notes. Because church is school. And, and if you remember when you were a little kid, probably your favorite subject was recess. But if, if all you got to do was be in recess, you'd be real dumb today. Right? I mean, you would. You'd be real dumb if all you got was recess, right? So while we like entertainment, we prefer education that leads to revelation. We want education that leads to revelation. Because we can't do word that we don't know, right? As a person who um, had, did not do well in math in school, one of the things I understand that now that my kids go through math, that one of the reasons that I didn't do well in math is because some of the foundations I never got. And so because I never got the foundations, like you know when people put those problems up on Facebook and they be like, work this problem? I get sad every time. I know. Listen. <laughs> listen. I get sad every time. And let me tell you what I do. I work it one time and I go, I know my first answer ain't right, okay? <laughs> I know that's not right. <laughs> and listen, if it's four answers, I can get three of them. And really that's because foundationally what I needed to learn to be able to work math problems at a higher level, I didn't get the foundation. And there are a lot of believers who've been in church a long time, but you don't have the foundation. And because you don't have the foundation, when life throws problems with you, you don't know what comes first. 
Now, somebody knows what comes first when you have an equation and it's a little formula and it's like something with a P. What is it? Yeah, I, that. I don't. Order operations. You see what I'm saying? And listen, when Edwin is trying to help the kids, he be trying to help me too, right? He just be like, work the order operations. But I don't know which order that is. And that's kind of okay because I don't teach algebra, right? And I don't need algebra to live. But if you don't know the order of, order of operations for faith, you go struggle because you need faith to live. So let's use these three scriptures we've been using all year long, Psalm 65 and 11. Psalm 65 and 11, the Lord has crowned our year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways will overflow with abundance. Even the hard pathways will overflow with abundance. So our scripture that we're standing on this year is that this is a year of what? You, you said a little weak. This is a year of what? It is a year of great victory, a year of hope and promise. That means we expect to win. Well, I want to submit for your consideration maybe something that you've never thought about before. That in order to win, you'd have to have a conflict. In order to win, you'd have to have a game. Nobody gets to be a champion without a game, without a And so when we start talking about having a year of great victory, what that should have put on the inside of you is, well, I'm probably going to have to fight. I'm probably going to have some challenges. I was talking to a friend yesterday who um, is the um, head coach for um, Clark Atlanta women's basketball team, and they won their championship, their um, conference championship. And she was like, well, we were at the beginning, we were at the bottom of the conference, and nobody expected us to win. She said, but they didn't know we knew how to fight. There are some things that the enemy throws at you, but if you learn how to fight, he wouldn't expect you to know how to fight because you didn't know how to fight before. Because the devil really is just like a bully. And there really is only one way to get rid of a bully. You got to whoop a bully. I know everybody want to ask a bully to stop and please, little John John, go away and all of that good stuff. And I know because a lot of y'all, you know, y'all not from places down south like I am. I'm from Fordyce, okay? And, and I grew up in a place where my grandma was like, we don't start nothing, but we finish everything. <laughs> we finish everything. We do everything we can to walk. So I don't go out. I'm not one of these saints who go out trying to start stuff with the devil. That ain't what I'm interested in. But, oh, if you cross that threshold of 4172, baby. And some of y'all will fight people because they throw your change down, but you won't learn how to fight the devil so he don't destroy your marriage. If somebody look at you wrong, you ready to just square up on them. But you don't even understand how the strife and contention and the rejection and the things that you don't resolve in your own heart allow you to get defeated over and over again. So we're talking about faith for great victory. Say, so it's my time and it's my season to win. And then um, Romans 15 and 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will infuse your lives with an abundance of joy and peace in the midst of your faith so that your hope will overflow through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this scripture because this scripture lets you know we are not going to do this in our own strength. Tell your neighbor, say, you're not going to do this alone. Say, you really need the Lord. You know, one of the interesting things, even if you take the area of marriage, like people get married and people think that because they love each other, they're going to make it. They be like, oh, we really like each other. <laughs> How many here who marry know you need a lot more than like <laughs> to stay together? <laughs> you need the Holy Ghost. Tell your neighbor, say the Holy Ghost. And if you don't let the Holy Ghost live in your marriage, you'll always be saying and doing stuff that you don't have no business saying and doing and then asking the Lord. You know, because the challenge for a lot of people is, I know because I lived with you, baby, because I got the mic today, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Don't nobody give him a mic either. Uh, so <laughs> you don't have a mic. You don't have a mic. <laughs> I'm going to do you just like you did me last week. <laughs> Yeah, I was here last week. He 
So then you are going to have to learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need to be able to hear and obey God. And hearing and obeying God is not always easy. Because a lot of times you're in conflict in a situation and God tells you to shut your mouth. Well, nobody wants to shut up when they think somebody talking crazy to them. At least nobody who is aggressive and likes to fight and conflict and stuff. We like, who are you talking to? Are you, talk- are you talking to me? Because <laughs> I just want to know if I should take my coat off or not, right? I was trying to see where we was going. So I'm saying to you, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit regarding your health. You have to be led by your Holy Spirit and how you parent your kids. What may be good for other people's kids may not be good for your kids. What may be good for one of your kids may not be good for the other one of your kids. You need the Holy Spirit if you're going to win in life, right? And then the third scripture, which is my favorite scripture of this year, is Acts 20 and 32. It says, now and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the saints. So the word of God is designed to do what? The word of God is designed to do what? And do what? To give you an inheritance. This is what it means. It means that God already has some things prepared for you, right? He then uses the word to build you up so that you have the capacity to get what God has for you, right? Now, that's just good stuff right there. Hey, Caleb, are you guys going to be able to pull the scriptures up today? Okay. All right, hold on. I'll give it to you. I just wanted to know. All right. So we've been talking about when you're in faith, you can expect five things. There are five things you can expect when you are in faith. Somebody tell me on this side, what's the first thing you can expect when you're in faith? You're not on this side, this side, this side. Thank you, Tanya. Tanya saved y'all side. Okay. Um, And the next thing you can expect, middle. Very good. And then you can expect, good job, Rich. Say it for the whole section because your section, your section. Wait, Jen, you picked a winner. Pick a winner. Tell them again. They say, they, um, they say you the team captain. You the team captain. Look how your team, look, look. Their team, your team basically said, we know the answer. We just let Rich say it, okay? So let's try it again. When you are in faith, the first thing you can expect is? Then you can expect, and then you can expect, and then you can expect, and then you can expect. So when you are in faith, you can expect five things. Wisdom, a plan of action, favor, a miracle, and strength to endure till change come. Number four, you can't predict a miracle. You can expect a miracle, but you can't predict a miracle. But I submit to you that if you do the first three, you don't always need a miracle. If you get the wisdom, work the plan, and step into favor, you don't always need a miracle. That becomes the miracle. Amen? So we've been talking about those things. So now we're going to translate that into the area of healing. Make this declaration. Say, it is the will of God for me to be healed and whole. And if you grew up in a family with a lot of sickness, um, then you can just think that sickness is a natural way of life. But I was on social media the other day, and this girl, she's like my age, and she was like, yeah, I take 30 pills a day. I'm like, like, what? Like, your pills just keeping you alive. That's not how we're designed to live. And so we're talking about healing today, Okay. So let's start with Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. Because I want to teach you how to go after and get healing. Okay? Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. It's a little schoolish this morning, but you will be all right. It says, my son, attend to my words and incline thy ear to my saying. Hold on, go back. My son and daughter, attend to my words. Pay attention to what I'm saying and incline thine ear to my sayings. So let me say this to you. You don't have to be sick to learn about healing. 
In fact, it is better to be well and learn about healing because it is hard to learn how to walk by faith when you are already in pain. So if you're like, there is nothing wrong with my body, great, because today is the perfect time to learn how to walk by faith regarding your healing before anything in your body happens that you have to stand for. He says, here's what you got to do. Attend to my words. Pay attention to my words. Taylor was on social media the other day. She was making fun of me kind of sort of she was saying how she was in um, in the barbershop and they was everybody was rapping and she just wanted to ask them what I used to ask all my kids I'd be like yeah here are you know them lyrics but what John 316 say because why you may like Beyonce she ain't got no healing for you and uh, and the beat is catchy the beat is catchy but it ain't gonna help you when life is happening to you right And so listen, listen to whatever music you want to listen to, do whatever it is you want to do, but understand that there are going to come some times in your life where the lyrics you're listening to aren't going to help you. They're not going to help you. You need the word. You need the word. Go to verse 21. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So when you're a believer and like you're not paying any attention to the word any day, then how are you keeping it before your eyes and in your heart? Anybody ever have a song come out that they like and you listen to the song over and over again till you learn the words and you shazam the words, right? And you can't rap, but you learn the rap part. You always just a second behind, but you like, you know what's coming. You can't move your mouth that fast, but you know what's coming, right? That is what it means to let it not depart from your eyes. And you got songs, there are songs that you know from your era, whatever your era is, that if they play the music, you, the words start coming up. You'll be like, oh, I didn't even know that I still knew these words. That's how it ought to be for the word. Circumstances and situations, word ought to start coming up out of you before you even know it. And you go, I didn't even know I knew that scripture. Verse 22. It says, for they, here's why you should do that. I love this. It tells you why. It says, because the word is what? It's life to those that find them. And it's what? Health to all of your flesh. So what I want to present to you this morning is that the word is medicine. The word is medicine. Say the word is medicine. All right, now let's look at Exodus 15, 26, because the word is medicine. Well, you know, prescriptions have to be prescribed by somebody. Well, Ephesians, I mean, um, Exodus 15 and 26 says, and if thou will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will not put none of these diseases on thee which I have brought up on the Egyptians. Why? Because I am the Lord that heals thee. I'm the Lord that heals you. One translation says, I'm the Lord that's your physician. And one of the things that we talk about is that there is nothing worse than people who go to professionals and don't take their advice. Do you know don't nothing get on my nerves worse than a coaching client who got me, I done spent a whole hour talking to them and they don't do none of the stuff I said. I'm like, we could have just got coffee and called it a day. You got me over here working all hard. You're not going to do anything. So you get the word and then you don't do it. I'll give you an example. Husbands and wives. The Bible tells you to put a guard on your mouth. That means you're going to have to practice it. Then when you get home and something don't go the way you want it to go, you don't put a guard on your mouth. You just keep on talking. You just keep on popping off. Look, I've been married long enough. I know how this works, right? This, I love this because when, when we first started counseling people, um, people would come to me, and I, I would think, you know, you usually think they, couples are like kids. Whoever bring the story first, bring it with the most drama. 
whoever bring the story first, if you ever pay attention, when your kids come and tell you something, whoever first, baby, they got the best presentation. I was downstairs, I was sitting on the couch, I was trying to read for school because I know how important it is to you when I read for school. And I was just sitting there and I wasn't even doing anything to anybody. I wasn't even doing nothing. I wasn't even doing nothing. And, and then all of a sudden, Chase came in and he just pushed me off the couch and I don't even understand why. And then as a parent, you're like, Chase! Chase, why you push her off the couch? She, Because she kicked me in the face five times. Because she kicked me five times. <laughs> Left out that whole part. And what I found about married couples is that typically when married couples tell their story, they tell their story like kids. They be like, my husband cussed me out. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe he cussed you out. Why did he cuss you out? Because I burn up his shoes. What? Well, he, and he just cussed you out. He ain't burn up none of your stuff back. I mean, you, so... He says, you got to listen if you want to get the results. Tell your neighbor, say, listen if you want to get the results. Anybody has kids, you know you'll be talking to your kids and you'll be telling, trying to tell your kids what to do. And before you can get it out, they'll be like, I know, I know, I know. When I, listen, when my kids do that, I wish, I wish I had supernatural power and I could just jump up and kick them in the chest like over to the next side of the room because I just be wanting to be like, you don't know because if you knew, I would be standing here talking to you. Now, God is patient, so I don't know that he feels that way. But some of the cycles and the sicknesses and the things in people's lives, they're in your life because you won't follow instruction. Let me give you a great case example. If you have diabetes, one, there's not much you can do about that. They don't have a cure for that yet. If you have type 2 diabetes, that's self-inflicted. That's like, oh, I know about, you ain't going to talk to me? You're going to act funny with me because your grandma got sugar. No, you're not going to do that. Your, your grandmama got sugar for the same reason that my grandmama and my great-grandmama got sugar because they like sugar. So if you go to the doctor and the doctor says you're pre-diabetic, you need to lose 25 pounds, and you need to quit eating so much sugar. And then you, because you a deep saint, well, I'm just going to pray over my food and believe God to take the sugar out of this. I'm going to believe God. I just, you know, the Bible said he'll take sickness from among us and take disease from our bread. And then when you go back and you test for type 2 diabetes, you go, I bind the devil. No, bind your mouth. It's not the devil in that case. It's your mouth that needs to be bound. Right? High blood pressure. So I want to say that there are a lot of diseases that are preventable on our part. They are our part. But if you have found yourself in a situation where you have been diagnosed with something, now it's not the time for you to beat yourself up, but it is the time to do better. Say, don't beat yourself up, but please do better. Please do better. If you know, when you go to the doctor, one of the reasons they ask you what runs in your family is because they want to know what they're working with. They want to know what's in your DNA. What are you predisposed to do, right? And so, so they can give you a plan to go to the doctor. So um, I don't wear glasses or contacts. Well, Edwin does. Well, the first time he started taking the kids to the doctor, well, the first time I took the kids to the doctor, and when the doctor examined them, it's Edwin's doctor, and, they, and he said to them, Y'all got y'all daddy eyes. Because he knew that what his daddy eyes were, he knew how to treat them in order to slow down what had happened to, his, to the daddy, right? So when people are talking to you about the things that are in your bloodline and saying, oh, well, you know what? At 40, this is when this onsets, and you're 30. Don't just be like, I got 10 more years to ball out. I'm just going to ball out for the next 10 years. Be like, no, I'm going to start treating myself better because my body is a temple and I want to live, right? So God is our physician. The word is medicine, right? Now, let's look at this. So God is our physician. The word is medicine. Here's the third point. The word will work for anyone who takes it as prescribed. The word will work for anyone who takes it as prescribed. One of my kids was diagnosed with strep throat, and they wanted to take the pills. 
I said, no, ma'am, we're going to take this shot. Because I know what people do when they get pills for 10 days. They take them for three and then try to save the seven for the next time their throat hurt. It, I'm like, listen, some of you know you have done it. You're like, well, my throat feel better, and I'm better, and so I'm going to say this, so I don't have to go to the doctor next time. But it was prescribed for you to take all 10 days. So when the Bible says get the word in your heart daily, and you only get the word in your heart monthly, or when you're in crisis, the reason it don't work is because you're not taking it as prescribed. I'm going to tell y'all a funny story about medicine when I get to the, um, before this day is over. All right. So, here are some steps that you can take to stand on the word. So, the Bible says we overcome by the word of God and by testimony, right? So, we need the testimonies of people. So, Pastor Elm was saying, hey, I got healed. My back was hurting. Here's what the doctor said do. I did it, right? Chris was like, here was the path that God gave me, and I did it. It is so important for you to hear God for yourself because if you don't hear God for yourself, then when other people are giving you advice, you don't know what to do with it. You don't know what to do with it. Let's look at Psalms 107 and 20. Psalms 107 and 20. And then we only have a few steps. And then I'm going to entertain y'all at the end by telling y'all the best story about somebody not taking medicine right. Because I know people remember stories. <laughs> what you in, unless you don't if you don't want me to tell it, I won't tell it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he said he didn't care. I think he should put in a comedy routine. When y'all hear it, you're gonna know that he should. But let's get these steps. Let's look at Psalms 107 and 20, and then we're going to be done. It says, what did he do with his word? The word is, and delivered them from their destruction. So what's the word designed to do? Heal you. So here's the thing. When, when God gives you an instruction, whether that's a written instruction or whether that is an instruction, just something as simple as you're talking to somebody and that quiet, still voice says, be quiet. You got to learn how to follow the voice because the word is designed to bring you to the maximum place of healing. How many of you have ever been in a situation where if you had just hushed the first time, you wouldn't have had as much to fix? This baby back here raised his hand. Praise the Lord for this child. He said, he said, this baby said, he raised his hand high. He said, me, me. And it's some people in here you got a whooping because you just wouldn't be quiet, right? If you had just, I know all y'all don't whoop your kids, but like for people, some people grew up getting whooping, and you got a whooping just because you did not hush. But how many of you have had physical things that have escalated because you just didn't stop when it first happened? It, you just, you, you, get, you get a little headache, right? The, your, the headache is telling you that you need to stop and eat. But you're like, I got to finish this project. I got to finish it. I, I'm on a deadline, right? And then before you know it, at the end of the day, you got a migraine when all you could have did was stop, stop taking 10 minutes, got you something to eat, and then you to finish the project without having a headache. So the word is designed to heal you and deliver you from destruction, right? So the first thing you need to do if you are going to have faith for healing is you need to find a word to stand on. You need to find a word to stand on. You ain't got no 37 words. You just need to know one word. Just do you know, do you even know one scripture about healing? Because you don't have the right to stand in faith for what you don't know God said. The example I use all the time is this. If you get off work tomorrow and you decide that you want me to pick you up from work. But you didn't tell me. And I never told you I was coming. And you just standing out there and it's raining on your head and you all disappointed and sad. You like, Pashon don't care about me. She ain't even come through for me. First of all, we never had a communication about me coming to pick you up. 
some of you are asking God for stuff, but y'all didn't really have a communication. You asked, but you didn't listen. You asked, but you didn't listen. Because sometimes healing and deliverance comes instantaneously, and sometimes you have to walk the process out, right? And you don't know, which is why you can't be in other people's story. Well, she didn't have to have surgery. Well, what did God say to you? Well, she supernaturally lost the weight. Well, you got to go to the gym. So you need to find one word to stand on. So I'm going to give you one just to get you started, and you can go find your own. Psalms 103. Psalms 103, verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of thine iniquities and who heals all of thy diseases, who redeems thy life from destruction and crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. I gave you that one because that's a catch-all for all the healing that God wants to do. It says, first of all, God wants to heal you of sin so you don't go to hell. And once you are forgiven for your sin, he wants to heal anything in your life that would destroy you. And then he wants to cut you off from anything that would cause you to destroy yourself. And then he's crowned you with tender mercy and loving kindness. So he loves you even when you aren't getting it right. Right? And then I like the last part of it. It says he wants to satisfy your mouth with good things. God wants you to live a good life. I don't know this sadistic God that a lot of people who say they're Christians serve, who like always doing a bunch of stuff because he don't because he seemed to have some kind of disorder that makes him angry some days and not other days. But that's not the God that I serve. The God that I serve is for you even when you're not for yourself. And how do I know that? Because most of us in this room have been in a situation where where we were should have took us out. But God helped you. And some of you know for a fact that God helped you because your mama and your grandmama prayed. And those prayers protected you. And I always say this to this group of people up here. That's why you can't afford not to be a praying person. Because literally you are living off of prayers that your mother and grandmother pray. How dare you get too educated to pray so then there are no prayers protecting your children and grandchildren. Because while your mama didn't wanted you to have a better job, they didn't want you to stop praying. And the truth of it is that because your grandmama prayed, she didn't make as much money as you, but she lived better than you. Her house paid off. You got two mortgages. Because she knew how to hear and obey God. She might not have had much, but she knew how to take what she had to him. That, see, that was for free. Find a word to stand on. That's number one. Number two, after you find the word, you got to choose to believe it. Believing is a choice. Everybody say that with me. Believing is a choice. choice. The flat earthers, they choose to believe it's flat. Those of us who believe it's round, we choose to believe. Now you say, well, we believe based on evidence. Yes, but they believe based on the evidence that's presented to them. Now we think that that evidence is foolish. Just like people who don't believe in God think that your belief in God is foolish. But just because you think my belief in God is foolish, don't make it so. And one of the things I know about this is that, have you ever tried to argue somebody out of their position? Do you know you can, if somebody fully convinced you cannot argue them out of their position? Not because believing is a choice. So, like, sometimes people will go to me and they'll go, you know, go, you, know you have degrees and you and Edwin are so educated. You know, and I just, I can't believe you believe in supernatural healing. Well, I've been supernaturally healed. That, that's why I believe, because I've been supernaturally healed. Because you're trying to talk to me about theology. I'm talking to you about revelation. And revelation always th- thumps theology, always trumps theology, every single time. When you know who God is for yourself, nobody can talk you out. It's the reason that when people talk to me about how bad their marriage is, I'm like, if y'all willing to work on it, God can fix it. Because God fixed that one. He can fix anybody. 
he fixed me too a little bit. <laughs> but I know that God can heal your body because I've seen people. In fact, let me stop and insert this testimony. When we were fasting, we were praying for a young lady who watches our Bible study. She has been diagnosed with cancer, and she had two lumps, two clots in her lungs. She went to the doctor on Thursday. They couldn't find what? They couldn't find them. In fact, they said to her, she, they, the doctor said to her, you are a walking miracle because we don't know where the lumps went because the medicine we gave you shouldn't have dissolved them that fast. She said, well, you gave me your medicine, but I took the word too. And they wrote this thing that they don't always write. They said, no trace of disease found. They won't say that you cancer free. The best they got is no trace of disease found. God heals. You say, you say, but what about the people who didn't get healed? Can I ask you this? The people who didn't get healed, do, were you inside of the conversations with them and God? Do you know that they did what God told them to do? Do you know that? I mean, like when, when, when it was your grandmama, did the Lord call you into the meeting with you and your grandmama and say, now this is what I'm telling your grandmama to do. And I want you to hear it too. So you are assuming that someone exercised their faith based on what you think you know. I'll give you an example. I was in Detroit in October and there was a guy there who was a prophet and the Lord had given him a word to go to the hospital, this man was sick unto death. They had given up on him. The Lord told him, you need to forgive your father. So this prophet who doesn't know him gets a picture of this man, finds, goes and finds the man, goes in there and says, hey, you're probably going to think this is really weird, this is really strange, but I was praying and the Lord showed me your picture, gave me your name, and told me that you needed to forgive your father. And the guy said to him, I know, but I'm not going to. I know, but I'm not going to him. He said he pleaded with the man for an hour. He said, do you realize that God said if you would forgive him, you would be healed? He said, God has told me that. He has told other people to tell me that. He told my mama to tell me that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> A day later, he died. Now, to somebody outside looking in, it could be like, God didn't heal him. But if God gives you instruction and you refuse to follow the instruction, that ain't on God. That's on you because believing is a choice. Tell your neighbor, say, choose to believe God. And here's the thing about believing God. It don't always seem like it's working. It doesn't always seem like it's working. It seems like sometimes when you're trying to believe God, all hell breaks loose. You be like, we're going to have a better marriage. Last week, y'all cussed each other out three times. This week, you cussed each other out every day. You're like, it's not working. No, it is working. Because the strategy of the enemy, when you get a word, is to put so much pressure on you to make you abandon the word. So that man died. He knew Jesus. He cut his life short because he refused to forgive. Well, he's not the only person. It's people all over this nation who like, I'm not forgiving my daddy. I'm not forgiving my mama. I'm not forgiving my whoever it is. Even though, it, even though they may not be unto death, but they got migraines because of it. They can't have productive relationships because of it. But I'm not going to forgive them. So you got to choose to agree with God. Number three, you have to pursue it. You got to pursue it. Church seems to me to be the only part place where people just expect magic to happen. And so people who were reasonably intelligent people come to church and hear about faith and now think that means that you go sit at home, watch the prices right, and everything go jump in your life. I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to watch the prices right and I'm going to believe God for a new job. And if God want me to have a job, he going to have a mailman come by. The mailman going to look at me and say, you look like you need a job at the postal service. You know what? I'm going to fill out the application for you because you just look like you be a good postal worker. 
I'm believing God for my marriage to be better. Have you gone to counseling? No. Have you read a book? No. I'm just believing God because if it, I mean, because love conquers all. My kid is really struggling in school. We give them a tutor. I ain't got time for a tutor. We ain't got no money for a tutor, but they in AAU. I ain't got nothing against AAU. My baby went to school on a full scholarship. I'm just saying, your kid can't read, and you ain't, you got money for fees for tennis shoes, but not a but not a, a what? What are we talking about here? I'm just believing God. I just lay hands on them every day. You better read a book with them. You gotta do the natural. I'm believing for a scholarship. Did you apply? Uh-uh. I'm just believing. They're going to see me and they're going to be like, you look like you deserve a scholarship. So you have to pursue it. Tell your neighbor, pursue it. And then you need, to, you need to keep ingraining you that whatever challenge you're going through, that's destruction is not from God. It's not from God. When Job got in all that situation, his friends came to him and said, hey, you in this situation because you messed up with God. Because when we don't understand, we try to make up stuff to understand. Y'all must be going through because you disobeyed God. Maybe you're going through because you're just going through because it's some stuff you still need to heal and resolve and work through. The next thing is that you need to commit to the process. Commit to the process. Commit to the process. God is supernatural, but that doesn't mean it's all miracles. I mean, instantaneous and miracles. Some stuff you got to walk out. Like, literally, God never came down and shut my mouth. It would have been a lot faster if he had just shut my mouth. But he didn't. He said, you got to learn how to be quiet. You know how difficult it was for me to learn how to be quiet? Y'all see me practicing? See me practicing? Look at me. See me practicing. Thank you, girl. You ain't going to mess up my example today. So you had to learn. I ain't going to say who, but people pointing at their spouses, talking about they don't know how to be quiet. I ain't calling nobody out today. Uh, but you have to learn how to be quiet. That's not instantaneous, right? But there are also other things that are miraculous that happen, so you need to know your own process. You need to know your own process, right? That's why we started with you ask for wisdom and a plan of action. Because sometimes you need the surgery and sometimes you don't. And one of my favorite testimonies is about the time that I didn't need the surgery, but the doctors was convinced that I did. I had had Chase. And my stomach was like, it was cramping up like I would fall down in the floor would hurt so bad. I went to the emergency room. They said, you need to have your gallbladder out. As soon as they said it, the Lord said, don't let them take your gallbladder out. Well, now what I do? An expert? Well, I'm going home because he's my physician. So a couple of weeks later, it happened again. I went back to the same emergency room. They're like, we already told you, you need your gallbladder out. Nope, the Lord said. So then I'm praying people who love me like, Hey, are you sure you, that God said didn't have take your gallbladder out, blah, blah, blah? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure God said don't take my gallbladder out. I'm not going to let him do it. I go back. To, uh, it happens to me a third time. I'm actually right across the street from, one, from the emergency room I've been to two other times. And the Lord says, don't go there. Go to Springdale. He says, when you get to Springdale, do not tell them you have been to the emergency room to th for this before. So the guy comes in, did you just have a baby? And I say, yeah, my son is like three months old. He said, all you need is some citrus cell. Your intestines, sometimes people's intestines turn when they have a baby. He said, and then I told him how they wanted to take my gallbladder out. He said, well, if we had taken it out, it still wouldn't have fixed your problem. That's why you got to hear God for yourself. That's why you have to hear God for yourself. As God my witness, I took that Metamuse about four days. Have I ever had that issue again? About four days. He says sometimes when people have a hard labor, their intestines turn. And Metamucil straightens it back out. And I still got my gallbladder. And Chase is 17, almost 18 years old. 
I'm trying to get you to understand that that's why you need to hear God for yourself. You may be sitting in a doctor's office and the Lord will say to you, ask them this question right here. And it'll sound like something that maybe you don't even know and it doesn't make sense. But you got to commit to the process because if he had told me to have the surgery, I'd have had the surgery. So commit to the process. And then the last thing I want you to do is I want you to close the doors to sickness. And we're going to practice that. Close the doors to sickness. Close the doors to sickness. Do you know that a lot of people actually have arthritis because they have unforgiveness? The Bible actually says, bitterness will make your bones ache. Bitterness will make your bones ache. So I want to talk to you about what bitterness is. When um, Ruth and um, Ruth's mother, mother-in-law, right, she changed her name to Mara after her two sons and her husband died. It means I am bitter. A lot of people don't think they are bitter because most people think bitter means angry. But the word bitter doesn't mean angry. The word bitter means to have suffered great loss. So bitterness basically means to take a blow that was not healed. To take a blow that was not healed. And so people end up internalizing things that they should be externalizing. It's why I'm such a big proponent of mental health. That's why I think everybody ought to go see a counselor. Because some stuff, because it's some stuff... Your dysfunction can seem normal with other dysfunctional people. And so you and your friends counseling each other and nobody knows that what you're talking about is crazy because it's all you know. And then you go sit in the room with a professional and they go, what happened? Tell me about that again. Run, run, run that one back right there. And then you find out that you need healing in an area that you didn't even know that you were broken in because everybody you know carries that same brokenness. So what are the types of bitterness that people have? A parent who didn't parent well. If your parent did not parent you well, you have bitterness issues because you were created to be parent. I don't care what none of the pro people say, the feminist people say. You need a mama and a daddy. That's why God gave you both. And if you have a parent that doesn't parent well, that parents harshly, that isn't there, that doesn't show up, it creates a wound that must be dealt with. And in reality, if I'm honest, is one of the reasons that black men who weren't fathers struggled with church so much. Because how you going to let a man tell you what to do? Because you ain't used to a man telling you what to do. And even in this church sometimes, we know that the men who don't have fathers, that typically I'm the one that needs to talk to them about something because if Pastor Ellen talked to them about it, they're going to get all stressed up in their chest because they're not even used to being talked to like that. So if you weren't fathered well, if you weren't mothered well, people who aren't mothered well always dislike me at this church. They always mad at me about something. I didn't look at them long enough. I didn't speak to them. I didn't rub them on the back. And I just had to learn that that didn't have anything to do with me. That had the fact that they came here with a mother room and I look like a mother. And so then people come to church and they got all these wounds in their life. And then you somehow think you're going to come to a church where everybody go get along and everything go be perfect. All these wounded people. And some of you have been walking with the wounds so long you don't even know they're not normal. The truth of it is you suppose, you were supposed to have a father who fathered you. You were supposed to have a mother who was good to you and actually liked you. Nobody was supposed to touch you when you grew up. You were supposed to be to lay down in your bed or at any family member's house and be protected and be safe. That is what you were supposed to have. You were supposed to have enough food. You were supposed to, listen, let me tell you something. If you, we used to do, um, we used to do foster care for kids, right? And if you do foster care for a kid who haven't had enough food, baby, they will pack all that food in their room. They will eat till they make themselves sick. They will hide it. And you think they're stealing. They're not stealing. They're trying to protect from not having food again. 
So if you marry somebody, I was talking to my friend the other day, and she was talking about when she was a, that her husband, when he was a kid, his stepmother who raised him didn't like him. So she would buy her kids new stuff, and she would only buy him used stuff. She said, so she didn't understand when they got married why he would spend all of their money on something new. Because he wasn't trying to just spend the money. He was trying to heal the wound of not being mothered. I'm trying to get you to own your own wounds right here. Because the problem with us is that when we get in close proximity to people, people expose our wounds. So then we want to run from people because the people are exposing our wounds. I wasn't raised by a father. Like, my father was there, but my father was a hustler, so I got some different lessons from that. Those lessons translated into my marriage for a long time. Like, I was probably, I've been married 23 years. Honest to goodness, I was probably married 15 years before I trusted him. I was like, I don't know what that dude might do. I'm going to always have me a plan. Do you know that you cannot love somebody fully when that is your perspective? Also, because I didn't have a father, the things that he would do and say to our kids sometimes, because if you've never have a, had a father, mother voice and father voice sound different. So he would be talking to my kids hard sometimes. I'd be like, I will fight you. Let me tell you what I do. Let, you got one more time. It felt hard to me, though. But it felt hard to me because I didn't come from that world. Until I healed from that place, it kept showing up. So I'm asking you to stop looking at your external symptoms. Stop looking at the high blood pressure. Stop looking at the migraines and ask God, just take a second, close your eyes for a second and go, God, is this about something else? Because anxiety can be triggered by being afraid of being left. Also, being super clean can be triggered by being afraid to be, of being left. Being distant can be triggered by being afraid of being left. So you got four people doing four different actions, but the root cause is the same. I don't want to be left. If you've been divorced, you got wounds. Even if you happily marry now, you got wounds because a person can do something and it triggered you to what you were before and you like, you know what? Maybe I need to prepare myself. If you weren't the favorite, you have wounds. If you were the favorite, you have wounds. Because if you were the favorite, somebody punished you because they weren't the favorite. It ain't just the person who wasn't the favorite that, get, that went through. The person who was the favorite also gets punished because everybody. That, why do you think Joseph got sold into slavery, guys? Cause he, because he had a father that didn't have the wisdom to understand that if you made a favorite, you would go also make him a target. So I'm asking you to close your eyes for me. And then we're going to do my favorite healing exercise. 